Welcome to our message for Ascension Sunday, May the 21st, 2023. Our text for today comes from the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 6 through 14. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they had entered the city, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot, and Judas, son of James. All these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer, together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, as you left your earthly ministry, you charged your followers, us, with a mission. Equip us today to fulfill that mission for the glory of your kingdom. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. Well, this is it. The last day of Jesus' earthly ministry. Today is the final exam. It's graduation time. It's time to find out if the disciples are prepared to carry on the ministry that Jesus is leaving them. Fifty-three days ago, before this text, Jesus was crucified and the disciples scattered. They didn't understand, even though Jesus had told them time and time again that he must be crucified and on the third day rise again, when it happened, they didn't understand, they didn't get it, and they all ran away. They failed that part of the test. Fifty days before this text, Jesus rose from the dead, and the disciples didn't believe it. Again, he had told them over and over that it would happen, and yet they didn't believe. They still didn't understand. And they failed that part of the test, too. Jesus appeared to them multiple times over this last 50 days to help them understand and accept all that happened. He appeared to Mary at the tomb. She thought he was a gardener. He appeared to the disciples in the upper room. Well, they thought he was a ghost. He, he walked with two of the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and they didn't recognize him through all of the conversation until he broke the bread for them. And then he fixed breakfast for some of them by the Sea of Galilee. It appears to have been a long conversation, and they finally seem to have gotten the idea that this is the resurrected Jesus. This is the one that they saw die and rise again. This is the Son of God. They were figuring it out. Jesus prepared them. They must be ready, right? Yet on the last day of Jesus' earthly ministry, the disciples still don't get it. Is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel, they ask? Is this when you're finally going to do what we expected the Messiah to do all along? Are you finally going to get on with it, Jesus? Are you finally going to give us what we want? 
We know that the Jews expected the Messiah to restore Israel. They thought that he would bring back all of the lost tribes so that they would once again be 12 tribes strong. They thought that he would reestablish David's throne with Jerusalem as the capital, that he would make Israel the superpower. They were still clinging to this idea that the Messiah's job was to take them back to the glory days of, of King David, that he would make Israel great again. Jesus tried his best to show them that he was teaching about a different kind of kingdom. While he was with them, he introduced them to outsiders. He, uh, he fed the hungry. He walked on water. He healed the sick. He raised the dead even. He was talking about a different kingdom, not David's kingdom, but one far better. And they just didn't get it. On the last day of Jesus' earthly mission, they still didn't get it. How could they miss the entire point of Jesus' life? Is now the time you're finally going to do what we wanted? Well, it's easy to give the disciples a hard time, to point a finger at them for their confusion. But aren't we just as guilty? Maybe more so because we have 2,000 years of tradition to teach us. Often we have the same expectations as the disciples. Yeah, Jesus, all this service stuff is good. It's nice to help people, to feed, to clothe, to visit, to heal, blah, blah, blah. But when are we going to get what we want from you? When are we going to get our reward? What if we scrutinized our own words like we do the disciples' words? What do you spend most of the time praying for? Our wants and needs? or the transformation of the world? How much time do we spend praying for our enemies, like Jesus actually told us to do? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Listen to our comments in various meetings and conversations around church gatherings. We often ask, what do we want? What does everybody want us to do? What style of music do we prefer? What worship times do best suit us? What do we want to study? If we're here for the transformation of the world, why are we never asking questions about the world, about what will connect with those who are not yet a part of the church? The prevalent expectation in American churches is that the church should serve the needs and desires of its members. We've confused church with, with American Express. We believe that membership has its privileges. Perhaps we are more like the disciples than we care to admit. Our question is the same as theirs. When, Jesus, do we get what we want? And we don't really like Jesus' answer. It's none of your business. It's not your concern. The times and the seasons are in God's hands. It's a general reminder that on this last day of Jesus' earthly mission, that the ministry belongs to God. That it's not our church, it's not our ministry, it's not about our will or what we want, it all belongs to God. Here's my favorite definition of our calling. We are invited into the ministry of Jesus Christ to God the Father through the Holy Spirit on behalf of the church and the world. 
That's a quote from Dr. Stephen Siemens, one of my seminary professors. The ministry, the church, it doesn't belong to us. It belongs to Christ. We are invited into his ministry, the ministry that he led for three years. On the day that he ascended into heaven, he passed that on to his followers. He passed it on to us. We are invited into his ministry, and it is directed towards God the Father. Everything we do is for God's pleasure. Everything we do is to bring honor and glory to God. We can only do that through the power of the Holy Spirit helping us. And then our service is on behalf of the church and the world. Our ministry is directed to God, but the church and the world benefits from it. Everything we do is an act of worship directed towards God for God's pleasure. You know, since my youngest child, Olivia, was a little girl, she had a habit of leaving notes in various places for her mom and dad. There's Years ago, she put a post-it note in my closet that says, I love you, Dad. It has stayed there for years. I don't remove it for anything. At the back of my mailbox in the office, there's another note that tells me that she loves me, and that note has stayed there for years. On my recent trip to Israel, when I unpacked my luggage, I found yet another note for her. Those just warm my heart. Those are some of my fondest treasures because they're expressions of of pure love from one of my children. That's a beautiful example to me of what our ministry to God looks like. Our offerings to God are something that warms God's heart and perhaps calls him to smile. May my life be a post-it note in God's closet that God takes pleasure in. If I can accomplish that in all of my years, then life has been good. We are here for God's pleasure. Jesus quickly redirected the conversation from what do we get to what do we give. Don't worry about what you want. Instead, go be witnesses about me to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, witnesses are not experts. We don't have to be experts in theology or Bible study. We just tell what we've seen and what we've experienced. We're very much like the woman at the well come and see a man who's told me everything that I've ever done. And you start where you are. Start in Jerusalem. That's where the disciples are located. And so start with the people closest to you. Be witnesses to your family. Be demonstrations of God's perfect love to your family, those in the household with you, and those who come over at Thanksgiving and Christmas. And then extend to your your neighbor's the people that you encounter at ball games or restaurants or in your office spaces, uh, those, uh, those are Jerusalem for us. Those are the people closest to us, and we should be witnesses to them. But we don't stop there. We spread out beyond Jerusalem to Judea, to places that are farther away, to people that we don't know yet. We make friends. I have lots of people tell me that they don't have anybody to invite to church because everybody they know already goes to church. Well, first, I'm not sure that's true, but even if it is, meet some new people. Meet some folks that are not a part of your circle that don't go to church and be witnesses of what Christ has done in your life. And then we're to be sure to include those who are too often left out. That would be Samaria, the people that the Jews hated. We need to reach out to those that are left out of most church conversations. I would love to fill a church with the people the other churches don't want. Our ministry has to include Samaria. 
and we don't stop until we've reached the ends of the earth. I've heard so many times that we should focus on our own and and not worry so much about foreign missions, but the reality is our mission begins at home and it extends to the ends of the earth. I'm so happy that there are people that are in that have ministry opportunity provided for them right now because this church has provided them a school in the Dominican Republic. That's reaching to the ends of the earth. During our invitation, spend time in prayer for one person to whom you will witness this week. Who is one person that you can share the goodness of God with in your life this week? And then make a commitment, make an appointment, go and talk, go and share, go and be witnesses. In Jesus' name, amen.